Got you on the Arms Room Show with Glenn. And Drew. And Daryl. And Gabe. It's a freaking full house. We have a ton of great topics. But before we get into anything else, I have to thank some of our listeners and patrons <laughs> for an amazing gift that we received at the office here. I, uh, I have in front of me, in front of me. Not behind me. Not behind me. <laughs> I have in front of me. And it will only ever stay in front of me. They will never go anywhere else. I have three 3D printed otters. One is just a regular looking attack otter. I think he's regular looking. Yeah, he looks pretty regular. And then the other is wearing a top hat. And then we have another with a cowboy hat and a big old mustache. So I'm not sure if it's supposed to be a fedora or a cowboy hat. I'm going cowboy hat. He's got the mustache. That's, a Wyatt, that's kind that's of a Wyatt Earp stash yeah, going on there. I'm yeah, going, I'm going cowboy hat mustache. Yeah. So, anyways, yes, these otters will always stay right here on the studio desk in front of us, never behind us. What if right. they end up behind you? I'll fucking draw down. <laughs> There'll be gunfire in our office. Don't fuck around with that shit. Don't put those fuckers behind me. By the grace of God, I'm not going to get fucking killed by no otter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely moving the By otters. the grace of God. You better not surprise me with these otters. I can't be responsible for what happened. You surprise me with an otter behind me. All right? I'll shoot out the fucking back window. I don't even care. Put it put the truck behind me. don't have a back window. I'm saying you put it like in behind me in the truck or something like that. Oh. No. You surprise me. I open up the bathroom door and there's an otter sitting on the toilet. Blam, blam, blam. <laughs> We're getting a new toilet. <laughs> I'm not fucking around, dude. Did you hear the story? Yes. She feared for her life. She barely survived. By the grace of God. <laughs> Thank you guys for sending us these otters. They are fucking awesome. Thanks to all of our other patrons for continuing to support the show. And for, uh, with your support, I should say, we're able to go out and do Stop the Bleed classes and programs in our community and a variety of different Things that are we provide for free but are not free for us to do. And so thanks to your guys' patronage, we're able to do those things in our community and in yours. Remember, if you're not on the alumni forum and you're an independence training student, you really, really need to get on the alumni forum. All right, We're about to launch our um, a couple of different really cool alumni events, including one with Overwatch Precision in February that you are not going to want to miss. And also... Uh, some an invitation only alumni events. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Oh, what else we got going on? Unvaxxed soldiers getting called back to the military. Hmm. We were joking about this before the show. I, I can imagine it's a it's like a phone call with your with your ex. You know, it's like ring ring. Hello. Hey uh, hey how you been? I've been fine. So uh, what are you uh, what are you doing? I'm just you know. I'm doing I'm doing fine, just hanging out. You uh you with anybody else yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with someone else. Oh, well uh just uh, maybe you wanted to see if you wanted to go travel to some foreign countries with me again. <laughs> uh nah, remember how uh remember how we how we broke up? You pretty much completely disagreed with all my ideologies and then ruined my career and then had me completely removed from the thing that I found the most value and purpose in? I I, I know, but that was a different me. I need you more now. <laughs> wow, babe. You, uh... Wow. wow. This is coming from somewhere. I could be like... Yeah. I could Where be like, did the army touch you? <laughs> yeah. Show me on the bear where the army touched you. <laughs> I'm 
just saying it's fucking funny. Like, I, how do you even approach someone that you boot and you ruin their career because they wouldn't do a thing? And then, and then you got to come back to them and be like, hey, uh, hey, remember how we were just like mostly getting soy boys and trannies and stuff in the military because like it was like super cool and we were trying to be all hip and stuff? Well, um, <clears throat> yeah, now we need people who fucking kill people again. So if you yep. could maybe come back, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> That's not fucking working for us. So we'd, we'd really like to take <laughs> Turns out back. the soy boys are fucking useless as shit. And we really need somebody who can carry heavy things up mountains and kill people. Hey, could you come back? No, nah, man, I moved on. I moved on. Fool me once. <laughs> Yeah, like I said earlier, my trip, my trip, my perimeter trip flare has still not been hit, which yeah. is the Marine Corps changing its grooming standards. So exactly, yeah, that's your. That for is me, it. once that goes, I know things are really. We are bad. definitely going to war now, though. <laughs> oh, dude, call everybody back. The new ad, the new commercials. Yeah, one hundred percent. Vbid blowing up. The news initially reporting it was a car packed with explosives. Then the news reporting it was a car that exploded. Then the news reporting it was a car that caught on fire. Then the news reporting, oh, it's just, it just, it was just an accident. It was just an accident. I'm just going to tell you, listeners, that let's just say I definitely know it was a fucking VBIED. Yeah, cars don't really just uh, randomly explode to that degree. So this is the kind of some, some type of explosive inside of them. And this happened on the Rainbow Bridge uh, by Niagara Falls, approaching the border checkpoint. Come on. And so obviously it, it was a failed terrorist attack, but it was done by the wrong people from the wrong countries uh, that we can't go to war with right now. So they're going to cover it up like they fucking always do. And it wasn't anything that they orchestrated. So God forbid we can't have terrorist attacks that the government's not in charge of. So understand this. There's not a lot that any average person can do to stop something like this. Assuming you survive the initial blast, which depending on how close you are and the type of explosives, right, it's going to be bad. All right. As a junior EOD tech, <coughs> I can tell you <laughs> that uh, it's going to be fucking bad. All right. So here's what I do know. If you survive the initial blast, you're going to have to have some fucking med supplies with you. Because you're going to be doctoring up yourself or the people you love or maybe perfect strangers, innocent people, if you've got the willpower and the skill power. So it's just another reason to carry fucking med kits and keep your eyes open and your head up and stop fucking around and staring at your phone and only ever, you know, if you're on vacation or whatever, don't just stare at everything through your phone. It really narrows your tunnel vision. Take your photo, take your video, put your fucking phone down. All right. You're not going to go back and look at 800 fucking photos of Niagara Falls anyways. How about eight? All right, try to limit yourself, okay? Take really good photos, eyes up, head up, pay attention what the fuck's going on around you. Make sure you carry med gear. Yeah, and if you are going to carry med gear, carry it from the right places. Don't carry a bunch of bullshit from X company. <laughs> X company. Uh, yeah, Gabe, <laughs> by the way, is the one who sent us the photo from the My Medic book uh, that he uh, a family member showed you yeah. during Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, I was approached, you know, hey, I got this med kit, and I was like, okay. Good. You know, this is the booklet it came with. And immediately I saw the title page and I was like, you can just throw it out. But to humor myself, I'll look through it. And I got just went straight to the bleeding thing. There was a bunch of bad stuff in there. I mean, it's talking about arterial bleeding. Elevation is 98% effective. I, my wow. thing is, where do they get right. that number from, right? 98% effective. They're not citing like, any sources. Yeah. yeah like, who provides no that? Sources. Exactly, yeah. right? Like, are they asking all the people that died from following that? I, I don't know. And then just a bunch of other garbage inside of there. So please, 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 
vet where you're getting this stuff from. As well as awful information about tourniquet usage. And of course, the thing came with that bungee cord piece of shit that's not a real tourniquet, never going to be a tourniquet, never has been a tourniquet. It's amazing that people are still falling for this shit. Like, I could get you falling for bad shit when it's like 1982 and the internet hasn't been invented. But it's fucking 2023, dude. I'll literally just go, I wonder if this is right. But yeah. people don't seek knowledge like that. People just want knowledge delivered to them in a digestible form. Oh, here's a book. Well, and they won't written vet by a where person. they're getting the knowledge from either. Yeah, it's like you're really, really important to vet. And, and even more so in today's day and age where just anybody can go out and start a training company or a medical company or whatever. We see this all the time in our industry, right? I've been doing this for 15 years. I've seen so many fucking fake fuckers start training companies. I have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. They're regurgitating other shit that they fucking heard. They have no actual real-world experience. Most of them can't even back up what they fucking say. They'll say things like 98% this. And you go, where's that fucking number come from? They don't fucking know. They just, someone else said that, so that's what they fucking say. Mm, no. And and I ain't even go, and go. I and I didn't where even, did the mind medic touch you, Gabriel? <laughs> yeah, everywhere, Drew. It touched me everywhere. And I'd even I, I'm not a big social media person, but I'd even you know they sell their med kits for a lot of money, and they don't come with anything like the common trend we see time and time again. And I because I was having a grumpy day, commented like ninety eight or like a hundred dollars for a med kit, and you still get a rat's tourniquet. Yeah. And they came. They were actually replied to it, and they were like. At a study at Cambridge in 2019, rat tourniquets were as effective as cat tourniquets and other ones, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I just looked up right now approved tourniquets. It says cat, soft T, and TMT by the COTCC and American Call Surgeons. Nowhere on there does it say rats tourniquets. So obviously this one independent study done is is not worth anything. And not only that, but you got to think of the environment that they're doing this in. It's mm. perfect conditions. Mm. Maybe they got it to work <clears throat> under perfect conditions. Here, here's the other thing but it's, a lot of people aren't considering when they look at like tourniquets. I don't want to go down a, a rabbit hole here, but I do want to say But here we go. Here's the thing. But we're going <laughs> to do it anyway. It's like that's the snake tactical or some fucking like – concealed carry tourniquet. I don't know. People have been asking me. I'll be honest. I don't follow stuff I don't fucking care about. Yeah. And so I get asked a lot of stuff about or a lot of questions about these these tourniquets. I'm like, cool. Whoever proved it could stop bleeding. I don't I, – I legitimately from the bottom of my heart, I don't give a fuck if it can stop a pulse on a healthy individual. I don't fucking care if you can put it around someone's appendage and then downstream they're like, look, with my pulse oximeter, there's no more pulse. <laughs> I can, I can get no pulse with a pulse oximeter with my fucking thumb. Yeah. I can apply enough pressure to an artery to eliminate a pulse in a pulse oximeter. A pulse oximeter is not the way I determine, nor is it the way anybody who approves tourniquets determines. They're like, well, I have a Doppler. A Doppler is not the only way. Here's what tourniquets have to be able to do. Stop arter catastrophic, traumatic arterial bleeding, not a pulse. They don't have to stop just a pulse. They have to stop catastrophic arterial bleeding. That There's more to stopping bleeding, to occluding actual life-threatening bleeding than just stopping a pulse downstream on a healthy individual. There's also a lot to be said for the capability of that tool, and this is part of what is tested when tourniquets are approved, to survive things like summer after summer yeah. in your fucking vehicle in Arizona or winter after winter strapped to some dude's fucking med kit while he climbs the mountains of Afghanistan or, or whatever. Salt like, water. 
There's saltwater corrosion issues. There's how long the glue can stay together, under what conditions glues and uh, devices and plastics and Velcros. There's so fucking much that's got to be tested on this piece of equipment to determine this is something I will take into to the ends of the fucking earth with me and depend on it to save my life. It's not some fucking thing that's based on some goddamn anecdotal story from one dude that another dude heard and then ripped off his fucking buddy's story and then let's say he made some piece of fucking shit called the rats based on a fucking anecdotal story and then got a whole bunch of Instagram idiots to fucking promote this shit yeah. and they and they using their own credentials and backgrounds lied flat ball-faced fucking lied to people that this thing fucking works because they could make a fucking nickel i got news for everybody being in the military does not mean you're not a fucking shitbag so quit listening. If, if someone says, I was in the military, that is nothing. That's like saying, I work at Walmart. It validates nothing. It, do, it doesn't validate anything. It doesn't validate that you're a master medic or a master weaponsmith or a master fucking gunner or a master of tactics and techniques. It doesn't validate fucking shit all. I don't even care if you're in a special operations group. It still doesn't validate that you know fucking everything about everything. So quit listening to people's fucking... If someone's pushing something on you using their resume, they're probably full of shit in, in both worlds. They're probably full of shit about what they're pushing and about their resume. It's fine if someone casually mentions like, oh yeah, based on these experiences. Okay, is that all you are? If your whole life experience is that... Like, I'm going to use Daryl as an example. Daryl spent 23 years in the military? 20, yeah. 20 years in the military? Yeah. All right. Retired as a lieutenant colonel. Lieutenant colonel. If you guys didn't know, it was lieutenant colonel Daryl Walton That's why I sit here. on this side of the desk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 his experience is vast. He's been a thousand and one awesome things in his career. A-10 pilot, squadron commander, all kinds of cool shit, right? So that's not the extent of Daryl's fucking experience. Yep. Daryl's experience goes so way beyond that because how many dudes do you know who had the same amount of time in the same career or the same things in the same aircraft and all that kind of shit and that was the extent of their experience. That's all they did. Yeah, they lived it. Yep. yep. They lived it, man. <clears throat> and that's it. And that's all they ever fucking did. Daryl's experience and why he teaches with us and why he has this great vast knowledge is because he goes out on his own and he doesn't just say, well, <laughs> I was a lieutenant colonel in the fucking Air Force. Most people don't even know that about Daryl. Yeah. Instead, he goes, well, here's all the other things I've done. Look at these other schools that I've attended and look at all this other training I've done. Look at all this other experience that I have and look at all these other things that I've accomplished in my life. Also, I was this. Right. It doesn't define Daryl. It's a huge part of what he was, but it does not define everything about him. I use him as an experience because he's got and the I'm most also not, military I'm experience. I'm also not resonating out with all that stuff I just let might yeah. still speak for themselves. Yeah, here yeah. it is, right? Yeah. So my point is, if, if someone's shoving something down your fucking throat about their resume, it's probably because they're full of shit. Or that's like the only thing they have or to Or that's the on. only thing they have to draw yeah. on. And you're like, this is it. All you are is this. You don't have anything else. This is it for you. Yeah. Like, I get for someone who, you know, especially the young guys, they got a few years in, they don't really have anything else in their life. You know, guys join when they're 18, 19 years old, they're... You know, Gabe's age, right? They're in their early 20s, and that's all they've ever fucking done. Okay, I get it. That's all you ever did. Now it's time to go out and do other shit. Like, you can't just fucking rely on that shit because that's only good for so long. And if you use that to push products, I know I've kind of gone on a rant on this, but here's why. No. I'm so fucking <laughs> sick and tired in this industry of two things. People with no fucking whatsoever knowledge about what the fuck they're talking about 
starting training companies and pushing fucking bullshit that they have no fucking right pushing. They've never fucking earned the capability to talk about this intelligence. They heard something that someone else said and they're just regurgitating that and they regurgitate it poorly and incorrectly most of the time. And that's annoyance number one. Annoyance number two are the people who have the valid experience and knowledge of some things and pretend like that gives them valid experience and knowledge on fucking everything without ever actually going out and trying to seek that out. So basically, they're both kind of the same people to me. They're, yeah. pe they're both people who just don't want to actually go out and find out what's real about this. Like this fucking faggot that uh, Gabe was just talking about with the, well, based on this one fucking study. Okay, you're going you're gonna to quote an anecdotal fucking story. Yeah. You're, you're going to quote one fucking study done by one place without giving me any other information, not citing the source. Yeah. Like, if you want me to believe the study, send me the study. Go, here. here's the study that we're talking about. And here's the, the criteria that they use to establish the talking point. Instead, here's the problem. This fucking moron that Gabe's talking to on whatever fucking social media platform probably has never read the fucking study. Some other fucking cocksucker just fucking gave him... He said, hey, reply back with this. Yeah, but just gave him, well, based on this one fucking study, the guy's like, oh, that's fucking good. <laughs> and he fucking typed that bullshit out. And he probably has never even read the study. And if he does read the study, he's probably so goddamn fucking stupid, he can't even understand what the fuck it says in the first place. And I know he's fucking stupid because he's writing stupid shit in a fucking book and selling stupid fucking trash in a med kit. That somebody, like Gabe's family member, who trusts that whoever sold them this stuff, probably some big box fucking store or whatever, is not going to sell them garbage and trust this brand name, goes in and says, oh, this must be good. It was written by this fucking guy who's got this fucking bullet point on his resume. Yep. And then they MD or whatever, right? Oh, he's a doctor? Jesus Christ, he must be a doctor of fucking everything. And then so they fucking bought it and now they have it and now they're going to go out and potentially apply that information and they're going to fucking die. That's my biggest problem with it is like where, the, where is your integrity as a company – or Most people a, don't have that problem. Yeah, I I know that. But like that's like the biggest issue for me is, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, people are idiots and they have cool resumes and they're still idiots. It doesn't change it. But my problem is like the integrity. If you're going to put your name behind something that you know is wrong, like you're just a big piece <clears throat> of shit. You know what I mean? I think that's really, for me at least, what it boils down to is a lot of this stuff that we see come out is people with zero fucking integrity selling their ass for nickels and dimes so that they can push more of whatever. You know what I mean? They see it as a business transaction and not actually taking people's lives into their hands. Yeah. 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 They don't see it. Like, I've, I've told the story before on the show. I'm not going to bore you guys with the same story again. But, like, there was a story that happened just a few months into me being an instructor where I realized that the information that I was giving would literally mean the difference between life and death for people. Yeah. I don't fuck around with that. I'm not, I'm not in front of people and trying to help people because it makes me feel good. I, I know beyond the shadow of a fucking doubt at this point 15 years in. The information that our team, our company has provided to people has saved so many fucking lives, legitimately saved people's lives, that it's like when we get up in front of class, when I say something on Instagram, when I say something on this show, I'm not fucking around with that. I'm giving the best possible answer. I'm giving the best possible information because if we don't, someone literally well, might fucking bullshit. Because if I publish some book that has bad information in it, I, I wouldn't, like, if that was my book, let's say I had written it in 96, right, and it was still out there, I would fucking pull it from the shelves. Yeah, try and get it taken down. Like, I would down. do everything. I would release a whole other book that literally said how inaccurate that book was. Yeah. You know what I mean? But people won't do that because they're like, yeah, fuck it. I don't care. I made mine. More data book. comes out, stuff changes. Yeah, I get that things change, but this is a thing that's still being sold out there and it's still being defended. Yeah. It's frustrating as fuck. 
Frontier Airlines, my uh, one of our great <laughs> New York listeners recently wrote and asked me why I haven't been ranting about Frontier. Well, my friend, do I have a fucking story for you? A lady, a video we just watched, uh, is being told by Frontier personnel that she's not allowed to use the restroom. I don't know what the context of that is. So right there on video, she just drops her pants and pisses in the aisle. And everyone's like, oh, no. And she's like, fuck you and fuck. And, of course, you know, I'm not going to say she spoke with a fucking American accent, which is like, you know, normal people speak. She had a bit of a accent from another group. And she doesn't really look like anybody in this room. My point being is that it's fucking Frontier Airlines at it again, baby. Clearly the most logical thing to do in this situation would be to publicly piss on Dude, when you have to pee, I do it hey, all the time. Go, I'm just... standing in line at the theater. I got to pee. I just whip it out and piss. <laughs> just piss. Like, what the fuck? Who the fuck are these people, dude? I don't know. And you're talking about... Like, this is why, again, you don't fucking fly with people that don't value you enough to say our tickets cost more. If you make Greyhound bus prices, then you're going to get Greyhound bus quality. And that is exactly what Frontier and Spirit and all these other freaking ridiculous airlines get. And it's funny because earlier, Daryl, who works for a different airline, uh, a much nicer one, and uh, he was like, hey, uh, I've never had anyone do that. And I'm like, you know Fucking shit, Daryl. Because <laughs> you're not flying a Greyhound bus, dude. You know what I mean? Like, You know, with the Frontier Spirit merger and the industry, we're all calling them spirit animals now. Spirit animals. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another news story. Three different women have meltdowns, including one woman who uh, is convinced that she's possessed by the devil. Multiple women allegedly interrupted a recent flight while screaming, singing, and even crawling over seats, causing claims of demonic possession. And on and on we go, and the story gets stupider. Here's my point. Again, still, don't fly with fucking Frontier, all right? Or Spirit or any of these wild places. And if you do, expect this kind of behavior, because obviously this is fucking insane. All right. Oh, so there's my Frontier, still don't work with Frontier thing. What else we got here? Oh, <clears throat> this is an interesting story. Son of, so here, here's an interesting headline. Again, we've talked a lot about headlines in the last few weeks and how they lead people. Mm -hmm. Son of homeless advocate charged with killing homeless man after claiming victim raped his girlfriend. All right, now think about that for a second, and I'm going to give you the actual story here. Give me just one second. Here. I have a lot of questions. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's yeah, a lot a of lot. fucking questions here. Exactly. So here's basically what happened. Let me pull up the, uh, the rest of the story here. Stand by to stand by. So basically, this 15-year-old has his girlfriend get raped by a homeless guy. All right? Nobody, police prosecutor had done nothing about the rape. The guy's still out there, right? So this 15-year-old, especially in his prepubescent stage, right, or pubescent stage, I should say, gets all fired up, takes his gun, and goes and confronts the homeless guy. And he, he ends up killing him. Now, of course, he's being charged with murder. I'm going to read that article link again. Son of homeless advocate charged with killing homeless man after claiming victim raped his girlfriend. Now, of course, it turns out the, the guy and the gal, his, his girlfriend, who had been raped, both their parents are like these radical leftists. And when they had reported the rape to the parents, both parents said, you cannot go to the police with this. Oh, wow. 
anybody want to guess ethnicities of people involved? Don't say it out loud. Just say it in your head. Here's the reality. News stories are so fucking manipulated. And it doesn't matter. This isn't a, a racial thing necessarily, but it's, it's like this. It's so important that everybody understands how much the media is manipulating you. Like yeah. we just talked about with that VBID that fucking detonated, right? Mm-hmm. Like first it was, oh my God, a car packed with explosives. Because that's the first news that comes out. That's real news. And then the second news that comes out, well, it was just a car that exploded. And it was like, well, it was just a car that caught fire. And then it was like, now it's like, nah, it's just a car that had an accident. Yeah. And it's the same shit with this. It's like because the people involved don't fit the appropriate narrative, narrative then we're just gonna we're just not even gonna fucking do anything about this. And now we've got this young man who goes out and and enacts what I would say is fucking justice, and nothing happens. And who is the victim? It wasn't the homeless dude. It was that girl. That girl's yeah. the ultimate yeah. victim here, and still nothing's being done for her. Yeah. So it's fucking insane. Obviously, there's a whole freaking long story about here. And this is you look at the picture of this kid. I mean, this is like. This is not a dangerous-looking kid. This no. is not a kid who, you know, he's he's not some grungy kid. He's not some poor kid. He's not some shithead kid. Looks like a middle-class white kid. Looks like a normal middle-class white kid. And and he feels an injustice in the world, and he goes and handles it. You know, and, and this is part of the problem that you, you have two issues here. First of all, you have this injustice of a system. Second of all, you have these fucking libtard parents who are telling their kids not to report a rape. And then you have this fucking limp dick dad who's got his fucking gun and it's not properly secured. So yeah. either A, he left it improperly secured, which is a rant I've had a thousand fucking times on the show. Or B, he allowed his son to have access to it without making sure that his son was of the appropriate mental and emotional status in order to be in charge of having access to, to firearms. I mean – in the eyes of the law, this kid is obviously now he's a, a murderer. He's a murderer. Right? But, like, imagine that's you and you're 16 years old and some homeless guy mm-hmm. rapes your fucking girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think any would be f- fucking fired up. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's, it's shitty. And, and nothing's being done. And nothing's being done. And it yep. probably I, – I don't want to say because I don't know for sure because I don't know the whole story, but I'm assuming some time passes between the it events. It was last summer that she got raped. Oh, and wow. this just happened. So he's been stewing. So yeah, he's so been he's stewing, been sitting on and this, and nothing's been happening. I'll use this as an example. I think I told the story on the show uh, when it happened several months ago. But our oldest daughter's um, bike got stolen, and it was recovered that same day. It was awesome. It was recovered that same day, and uh, you know, great work done by some people with a little prodding uh, by me, and it, everything got done. We pressed charges. Nothing has fucking happened. Yeah. Reports have been written and submitted. Nothing has fucking happened. You know, if, if listeners of the show, longtime listeners of the show might remember, I had Miles on the show, uh, one of our, our great lawyer friends and, uh, and clients, and my personal defense lawyer. And he came on the show to talk with me about what had happened to me. And I had this insane criminal charge from my crazy ex who had tried to, you know, <clears throat> accuse me of doing something I hadn't done. And there was no evidence and there was nothing, but yet I'd still gotten charges brought against me because I'm a white guy. And, uh, and I mu- so it must be me, right? And we're in the middle of a divorce, so I must be the bad guy. And so in the end, all the charges got dismissed and everything's done. But it's important to look at, like, time that happened. Mm-hmm. So first of all, that took a year from the time that, that Cuckoo made the, 
the uh, allegations to the time that I got served paperwork was a year. Now, understand this. Let's just say I was this violent person out there destroying personal property. I would have acted with impunity for a fucking Mm -hmm. year. They did nothing to me for a year. And then after that started, it took six or eight months. Almost another year. For it to fucking completely wrap up. I went down to court. I was there like four times. And every time I was like, so you guys still have any evidence? No, we're still trying to get some. Okay, we have counter evidence. Uh, Oh, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, we'll look at that once you guys have evidence and we'll pit our evidence against your evidence. But you don't have any evidence. Okay, cool. See you in three months. Rad. And then we'd go back and be like, oh, you fuckers still don't have any fucking evidence, huh? Okay, well, we have counter evidence if you'd like to see that we have evidence that we didn't fucking do it. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll give them another three months to see if they can get their shit together. And, and, and like that just kept going and going. That kind of shit, I understand how this young man's feeling. It can be incredibly frustrating. And that was with things happening. I was frustrated. I'm frustrated right now with what's going on with our daughter's bike because I'm like, these two fucking shitheads are walking around out there probably still stealing shit and still being shitheads because they think they're still getting away with it. And Mm -hmm. by the time you fuckers get around to fucking doing anything about it, it's like, you know what needs to happen to these kids? I got a pretty good fucking idea. I won't say what I think ought to happen to them because it's still a fucking open case, but I'll tell you what I fucking think ought to fucking happen to them, maybe off the camera or off the mic. But it's like, that's what everybody who's wronged, who's really fucking wronged, by somebody wants to do. They want to go out and get fucking justice. And the justice system is really just a legal system. And it's not built to give anybody justice. It's built to perpetuate itself. So these young girl gets raped. They don't go to the police. Nothing happens. There's there's something that happens because the police eventually find out about it. I don't know the exact... The story is kind of confusing on the facts. Uh, Eventually, the prosecutors, they do nothing. Oh, it's just some homeless guy who assaulted some girl or whatever. And you know what the shittiest fucking part is? At the end of the day, what the fuck? That girl still is going to be. She's still up. raped. She's still raped. Yeah. You know what I mean? By a homeless guy. And it's just a shitty compound situation mm-hmm. of the parents being pieces of shit, the kid acting like a dumb 16 year old kid, mm-hmm. and the girl still having to deal with the shit for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's a lose, lose, lose. And the, and the worst part is you see it time and time again. Once these people get nabbed, and then it's like, oh, eight more people recognize this guy's mugshot. Mm hmm. Well, from the first offense to the time he got finally brought in, there's all these other things that has happened. It's the same exact thing, you know, you hear about these stories all the time. You know, first-time offender. Oh, wait, now that they're looking into it, eight more kids he's assaulted. Mm -hmm. But he was the greatest soccer coach in the whole town. Like, all of that kind of stuff. And it's just a shitty, shitty system. And the fact that those parents don't want the kids to say anything is disgusting. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't really obviously go into why they might have said that or <clears throat> or what their their own personal desires. Not that it's right no matter what they fucking said, but my point is, it's like, I understand why people get frustrated. And I think as, as we continue to see our system break down more and more and more and, and people in the government being able to do less and less and less, even the ones who might want to do something. I think we're going to see more and more of these types of killings, this vigilante type shit. Mm-hmm. People are fucking Absolutely. tired, dude. Yeah. People, people are very It's like all the off. people who are fucking up shoplifters. And there's companies that are now coming out going like, it's against our company policy to ever do anything against shoplifters. And people are still wholesale fucking up shoplifters because they're Fuck getting them. fucking tired of it, man. And this is like this boiling point mm-hmm. of the more we reduce police presence and police response, what do you think's going to happen? 
People have to fucking defend themselves. And what's what's interesting to me is like you look at some of the shit that's going on in some of these other cities where in broad fucking daylight, three, four, five armed men are jumping out and robbing people at gunpoint on the fucking sidewalk. And the police are not doing anything about it. They're even driving right by it or they're witnessing it and they're not doing anything because they've been told to stand down, blah, 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 blah. And all this crazy shit going on. It's like sooner or later, shit's going to boil over. But then when someone does go, fuck this, and they counter ambush that shit and kill all those fucking dirtbags, they're going to be the ones jail. going to jail for murder. Yep. It, it's, it's like, it's incredibly you, fucking frustrating. And you get stabbed to death in prison. And so because this kid's now being held for murder... Where are all the protests? Yeah. Where are all the people shouting this kid's name? Where, where, where are the peaceful protests? Where are the crowds? Where are the people who want this guy free? Because if you think about the narrative, right, of the left is like, all men fucking rape and all this shit. Well, yeah. now this girl got raped and this guy did something about it, right or wrong in the mm -hmm. eyes of the law, but yet he's still the villain. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Nothing being said for him. Nope. And nobody's going to care. And no one's going to try to do anything to free him or anything like that. Because those of us who shake our heads at it and go, oh, it's not right. Well, we got jobs and shit to do. And we got, you know, our lives are too busy to go be on this kid's side, so to speak. And that sucks. That's the wrong answer. And then all the other side, well, they don't give a shit because, you know, the homeless guy and the fucking shooter are the wrong colors. And nobody's going to fucking stand up and advocate for the kid. It fucking sucks, man. And th this is why... We push and promote people being more capable, being more capable to take care. Like nothing is getting better in our country. Things are not looking better. Things are not looking up. Uh, elections aren't going to work well for you. If you think elections still work, you're a fucking moron. When I look at social media and I see very intelligent people excited that elections are happening and, and might be going their way, I'm like, you're not, you're not as smart as I thought you were. You're way fucking stupider than I thought you. You still fucking think that system works? You still think that good people vote good people in? You yeah. still think that this isn't a controlled system? That system You're fucking is moron. a self-licking ice cream cone. Yeah, it's yeah. it. Dude, <laughs> it's not working, and it doesn't matter who you get in. Are they going to put all this to an end? Yeah. Well, it takes time. No, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fucking take time. It takes a few days. Didn't take time for them to push the vaccine. Yeah, sure as fuck didn't take time for them to shut down an entire fucking country. Yeah. So why does it take so much time for you, good guys, air quotes? Why does it take so much time for you, my good guy elected officials, to do anything about this? Oh, because you're using all the proper channels. and Well, the opposition doesn't use the proper channels. They do whatever the fuck they want. So why don't you start doing whatever the fuck you want? We'll back you up, but you got to fucking do something. And you're not going to do anything because you're a spineless chicken shit fucking coward like the majority of our fucking elected officials. And even when we get cool elected officials that we think are cool, like one-eyed pirate fucking Navy SEALs, they turn out to be <laughs> douchebag, <laughs> cock-sucking faggots who fucking roll over every time someone does something that might accidentally put them in a bad fucking light. And suddenly you get some anti-gun, anti-veteran fucking faggot who won't do anything to stand up for the things that they ran their entire fucking platform on. Because all that happened is somewhere behind closed doors, someone went to them and said, check this out. You don't do what we say. We're going to, you're a child, you know, you have child porn on your computer. You don't do what we say. You're a pedophile. You don't do what we say. We've got this AI video of you fucking three black homeless guys or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter what they do. It's easy to ruin someone's image. The government has proven that over and over and over and over and over again. And when pe these elected officials, even if they are good in spirit, when they finally get to that position... If they're allowed to get to that position, yeah, it's only because they can be manipulated. 
And then they get in there and they're easily fucking manipulated. And then they turn into just another fucking cog in the wheel. Yeah. And they don't do anything for us. And that's like, so every time I see someone go like, oh, God, the elections are coming. I'm like, you're a fucking stupid person. You're a stupid fucking person. I thought you were smarter than that. I thought you were smarter in thinking this worked. It's so funny when people are like, oh, it takes time to fix all these things like you were saying. And then we clean up San Francisco in what, like 24 hours? 24 hours, So that ping can fucking roll in and style. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that that city has been deteriorating for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it has reached a peak of being really shitty. But Mm -hmm. yet they can... Have it looking fucking spotless mm-hmm. and with barricades up, yeah, and all, and all the nice shit. Chinese flags. Yeah, in just a few like, days, all oh, that shit because your boss is coming into town. Done. Yeah, crazy, right? So they have the capability to, to handle all these problems. They just fucking don't. We have the capability to secure the border. We just don't. We have the capability to clean up these shitty streets. We just don't. We have the capability to end the opiate crisis. We don't. Yeah. We have the capability to stop all this shit from happening. We fucking don't. We had the, we had the capability early on in Afghanistan and Iraq to handle those fucking things. Oh yeah. So that we didn't have to send more of our fucking children over there. We had the capability to fix all those fucking problems. We didn't because there's no money in it and there's no power in fixing it. Just like cancer and everything else, right? Yep. We, could, we could go down a fucking rabbit hole real quick. Oh yeah. There's oh, yeah. no fucking money and there is no power enhancement in solving problems. There's only money and power in continuing problems. That's the way that the other side sees it. Yep. They see problems as a money maker. Yeah. Not as a problem. Just like COVID. Trillions of dollars. R- right now, shit, there's actually $5 trillion. If you didn't know, there's $5 trillion, that's with a T, dollars unaccounted for in COVID spending. Huh. Imagine that. And that's just one of the many, many, but don't worry. They want your fucking $600 Venmo payment and know what the fuck you're up to. Yeah. They hammer you for that shit. It's insane. And it's just going to keep getting worse because like Gabe just said, there's, there's no power or there's no money in in fixing these problems. Yeah. So they're just going to keep making the problems fucking worse. COVID's a perfect example of that. Trillions of dollars changed hands. None of us got any richer from it. But we you got your stimulus we didn't check. on it. What's that? You got your stimulus check, though. Yeah, Wasn't right. it like th- there was three or four more or new billionaires added because of COVID? Oh, there were multiple, oh, yeah. multiple new I billionaires yeah, added. You know yeah. what? I want to see I want to see all of Congress wear like NASCAR uniforms. So yeah. I know who their yeah. sponsors are. I want to know who their sponsors are. The way yeah. I can support the correct one. Yeah. <clears throat> it's fucking It's insane. atrocious. And, and a lot of it is these outside entities at work, too. You know what I mean? Like the opioid thing? Mm. Yeah. That is all China. China's been setting up manufacturing labs in Mexico for a very long time. Well, you can trace a lot, a lot of things back to China. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and let's not forget that Afghanistan was, was the number one exporter of opiates, opiates while, or poppy for particularly. And uh, we were the number one importer. <clears throat> and hmm. the majority of our fobs and OPs were around opiate fields. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's not a connection there. Yeah, this isn't a giant. And while there were, there, while there were other countries burning the opiate fields mm-hmm. there, the U.S. forces were not allowed. Oh, we were not allowed to burn opiate fields. Didn't they say because it's like part of their economy? Mm-hmm. Why we can't cripple their economy? By I mean, I do this. kind of feel for those Afghan farmers. Like, oh, I can grow this and make money. Cool, I'll do that. You yeah. Know, but. yeah, I'm not saying I'm, I'm, not, I'm not hating on <laughs> Afghani no, farmers. Yeah. Poo-pooing them because them for them it's straight out of desperation. I'm just saying for the. The politics of the thing is insane. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. And down the rabbit hole we would go. There we <clears> go. Okay. Independence training gear moment. Wet weather gear check. It's uh, getting cold out there. It's getting snowy out there. It's getting icy out there for some of you guys. Uh, we were just up in, in some cold, snowy weather 
this past weekend doing some camping and enjoying the uh, cooler temps. Don't forget to do your wet weather gear check before you need your wet weather gear. So check out your boots. Make sure that they're in good repair. You don't have any tears or leaks or torn material. Your tread's still good. Make sure you're checking your gloves. Make sure you're checking your hats. Make sure you're checking your coats. Make sure there's no problems with your equipment that then when you need it the most, it's going to be oopsie poopsie. So make sure that you are checking your wet weather gear before you're out there getting wet because that has happened more than once that I've been out there watching people trying to put their gear on and there's a tear in their raincoat or their raincoat's not actually as waterproof as they thought it was. It's a water-resistant jacket, not a waterproof jacket. There is a difference between those two things. So make sure you're checking your wet weather gear before you got to use it. Independence Training Gear Moment brought to you by trainingaz.com. Make sure that you uh, check out a lot of the cool new programs we have and our full 2024 calendar is up on the uh, website as well as some great new classes that we'll be adding throughout the year all right finally getting to our topic <clears throat> necessary how, how far are we andrew th- 40 minutes yeah oh okay not bad i pay, I pay attention sometimes <laughs> <laughs> that was also like 10 minutes of drew fucking up that room that other are thing. you freaking kidding fucking me? ridiculous dude <laughs> okay fucking ridiculous all right necessary concepts for good leadership this is gonna be a good one Good topic. Yeah. We got a lot of... I would say uh, when it comes to leadership, I have learned what good leadership is. I've learned what bad leadership is. Both of them work. Both good leadership works Both and bad leadership works, right? They both work effectively. If I was going to say my, like my top five things for good leadership... Uh, as I've developed over, over the years and learned about this, would be first is go first. Don't be don't ask someone to do something you're not willing to do. Doesn't mean I have to do it, right? There's some points in leadership where okay, the CEO doesn't have to scrub the toilets. He's kind of beyond that. And it's not that he's better than that. And I think that that's the difference. He's beyond doing it because that's not where a CEO is best utilized. Right. But don't think that the man doesn't know how to scrub a fucking toilet. Right? He'd be willing to do it. It was going to keep the company alive. <laughs> A good leader will do anything, right? In a military unit, a yep. good leader doesn't need to be the guy who's, you know, setting up a, an observation point, but he needs to be willing to go be that guy. So that if it was like, hey man, Sergeant Smith is fucking throwing his guts up and he can't, he can't go up. You, you've got a, an LT who's going to be like, I, I, I'll cover him. Don't fucking worry about it. You know, that may not be where his leadership or his time is best spent but he's willing to go do the thing. And sometimes that's not where he is even needed. He goes, well, you know, then we need to get somebody else. Well, how come you won't go? And a lot of times under underling people, subordinates will look at him, well, how come that guy never fucking does? Because that's not where he's supposed to do. That's not where he's supposed to be. That's not where his time and talents are best utilized. You know, you have a 500 foot overview. He's got a 10,000 foot overview. He needs to have that. If he, if he comes down and does your job, he limits his overview to 500 feet. He's got to maintain that 10,000 foot overview, which means he's got to go do his job. And that can sometimes be even, you know, anyone who's self-employed knows exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. You know, you, you've, you like me have been the CEO, CFO, COO janitor, you know, like at some one point in this company, I was all of the things because I had to be all of the things because we hadn't grown to a point where I could start getting other people in here. And then eventually you start moving that out. And now it's to a point where it's like, yeah, I'm willing to do anything for this company. There's some things where my time is not best spent doing that because my time is best spent elsewhere. So go first doesn't mean you have to do all the things. It just means 
don't ask someone to do something you're not at least willing to do. I think a, a kind of a there can be a lot of points of friction with that with subordinates sometimes when when you're leading them. If it's like I'm telling you, hey, go do this, hey, go do that, and you're saying, well, why doesn't he fucking do it? And with the oversight thing, showing them, you know, sometimes, hey, you're in yeah. the fucking hot seat now. Mm-hmm. You're going to do my job. I'm going to go on the OP. <clears throat> yeah. And now they understand mm. why I'm in the OP mm. and or why they're in the OP and I'm over there doing mission planning or whatever. You right. know what I mean? Right. So exposure for your subordinates, I think, is a huge kind of battling that friction point that you can get sometimes of the, well, why doesn't he just do it? You know, it's one thing to just say, oh, because I have other things to do or I need to go do this, you know. But if you're like, okay, yeah, sure, mm. you're going to go do the, you know, battalion walk or whatever, mm. That yep. that's – usually pretty effective because they're like, fuck that. I don't want to do that. You we know used, what I mean? Used, I, I'll, I don't tell many military stories, but we used to do this because it applies here is we would take the, our pilots and our crew chiefs. So officer pilot enlisted crew chief, we would go swap for a day. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, the shit I learned about what my crew chief had to deal with. Mm-hmm. And the same when he would go be a pilot for a day, he's like, oh, you don't just walk out to the airplane and fly. You've got like 15 hours of other shit to be doing that's involved mm-hmm. with this. Yeah, it was very, very eye opening. Yeah. Yeah. And <clears> so <throat> that kind of leads into the second one of my second points, <clears throat> which is to uh, be an example. And that's kind of what Gabe's talking about. Like do more than just say, show someone how to do something. So more than just being willing to do it, I should have some level of capability to do so. You know, it's like, so if, if as a, you know, the head instructor for independence, if I ask someone, hey, I need you guys to go, you know, staple up these targets. I'm going to go talk to these students. Sometimes it's like, oh, here he is. I was going to talk to students. Yeah, because that's what I'm, that's my job. Your job is to go stay up with fucking targets. And there's plenty of fucking times where I go, hey, that's not done right. Let me show you how to do it correctly. It's not just, hey, you fucking idiot. That's not done right. You fucked all this up. Undo it and redo it. It's like, well, how am I supposed to fucking do it, right? Yeah. So to be the example and be like, yeah, I want you to do this. If I'm going to sit here and say, hey, you need to be in good physical condition. You need to practice. You need to train. You need to shoot competitions. You need to do all these things. I need to be doing that too. Like mm-hmm. I have to be an example at some level, not of every single thing that I'm asking someone to do because that's impossible. Well, and you don't have to be the best at it. Either. I don't have to be the best. You've got capable. people to be specialists. Right. Yeah. Right. It's a, yeah, I, this, I look at Elon Musk a lot for that, right? Mm-hmm. Elon Musk is not the example of a rocket scientist. He's not even a fucking rocket scientist. Elon Musk is not the example of a vehicle engineer. He's not a fucking vehicle engineer. Elon Musk is not a great example of a computer engineer. He's not a fucking computer engineer. To, eat, to his own words, he says, I wanted to start these companies, so I went out and found people who were rocket scientists yeah. to start my rocket company. I went out and found someone who's a, a vehicle engineer to start my vehicle company. I went out and found someone who's a, a computer whiz to start my you know computer company. Like I'm finding people who know what the fuck they're doing, and I'm finding these specialists. Him being the example, in my opinion, from my observations, from, from my own observations, is him being that example is going, this is how you lead. This is how you find the specialist. And then him being an example is going, no, I don't know anything about rockets, rocket scientist team. You guys are going to tell me, and I'm going to shut my fucking mouth and listen. You tell me everything. Then I'm going to make the big decisions about what is realistic for us to do. Mm-hmm. I know you want to implement A, B, and C, but we can't really do A because here's why. Because this is my job is to tell you what we what's possible. I know A sounds great, but only B and C are possible. So let's take B and C and make them A. You know what I mean? Like yeah. fucking make that happen. And, and I'm going to be the example of – of a good leader who can put everything together. And you guys are going to be the examples of really good fucking rocket scientists because that's what you fucking do. You well, know? I yep. think a key thing you just said too is I'm going to tell them why. 
You know, you don't have to sit there and overly explain yourself as a leader, mm-hmm. but just a li- you got smart people under you. Just a little bit of the why gives them that context of, okay, this is how this decision's being made. I'm cool. Mm. Yeah. You know, instead of like, you know, oh, those damn cake eater officers or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, they don't know shit. Well, no, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little bit from my view here. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, that it goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting too because you know every time again, uh, not Jesus Christ, not not to get <laughs> not to get too much in the military shit. But like when I would think about officers, right? Yeah. And it's easy to poke at officers because they're stupid, you know. And so it's easy to make fun of them. But but when you look at like let's say an officer, okay, what's it take to become an enlisted guy? Okay, it takes a it takes a passable ASVAB score, all right, which is pretty fucking low. All right, it takes a passable ASVAB score, and you and you have to be able to pass the physical, which is pretty fucking easy right like and then you're in baby you know what i mean like and then you pick whatever job they offer you like if you were just i walk into a a recruiter off the street and go oh we'll be in the army and you can go right in there and they'll be like what job do you want to do like i don't know and they'll be like we need x and you're like sounds good to me you know and then they send you down to meps and you pass your physical and you pass your asvab and baby you're on the fucking bus man you know what i mean and literally six months later potentially you're doing your fucking job like boom you're a fucking e1 e2 e3 whatever and you're and you're doing your job an officer goes down and goes okay i want to be an officer okay well you're looking at a minimum of four years in any college and or an actual academy in some kind of specialized service. So now, and then you're looking at this much longer and deeper commitment. And then if you want to be, let's take Daryl's example, a pilot, I mean, you look, what, six to eight years before you really... Yeah, four years actually, of college, three years of pilot training. Yeah, actually being yeah. a fucking pilot, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's like every time you see some badass, you know, fucking Maverick-looking motherfucker hop into the – and by the way, it's never a Maverick-looking father. It's always a Bill Gates-looking motherfucker. <laughs> They're jumping into a fighter jet, right? Oh, yeah, we're all dorks. <laughs> we're all nerds. <laughs> all fucking nerds, <laughs> Every one dude. of us. Always fucking nerds. But they jump into that freaking cockpit. Dude, it took them seven years potentially – to get to that fucking point. It took most enlisted guys seven months to get to the point where they're living in the barracks with the bros, you know what I mean? And so it's like a totally different dynamic. And so I would often remind myself of that because of my father and the way I grew up watching him be a leader. And a lot of these things I learned from my father, these examples I'm giving, but uh, watching him be a leader and in, on job sites, on construction job sites is reminding, oh yeah, dad doesn't have to go out there and swing a hammer. Not anymore. He's above that. He's not better than that. He's above it. There's a difference. Right. Right. He's not better than swinging a hammer because by God, my dad will swing a fucking hammer. He still does to this day and he's almost 80 years old. The man can build shit. No fucking problem. But if he's out there swinging a hammer, it means somebody is not controlling the job site. It means someone's not managing all the, you know, all the subcontractors. It means someone's not managing safety. Someone's not managing the money. Someone's not managing the paperwork, et cetera, et cetera. So he's got to be out there doing that. Is, is he above it? No. I watched several times my dad run out and try to and help someone load something into the back of a truck or help someone install something. Maybe it took him you know, an hour or so. But he also knew that every moment he was taken away from being in that leadership role, he was being removed from what his real specialty was. And he had a great specialty. He was very fucking good at what he did. And that really gave me kind of an example of, of what we're talking about here, which is he wasn't ever afraid to do it. But on the other hand, he also didn't mind reminding people why he was where he was and they were where they were, you know? Like, I can, I can do this. I can, like you said, with, like, switching crew chiefs and pilots. Oh, it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. hey, man, you want to go be a plumber? Okay, if I'm a job superintendent and I'm giving the plumber a hard time and I and I can't 
understand where he's coming from, now I'm going to have a hard time directing him. So I, I have to be able to understand where he's coming from. And so my third point of leadership is empathy. You don't have to be in someone else's shoes to appreciate where they are. Like I don't have to have been, let's say, in my father's position. I don't have to have been a plumber to know or, or at least appreciate what my plumbers are having to go through when they're crawling through the ditches or they're, you know, topping out a, a house or whatever like that or finishing out something. And they don't have to have been a job superintendent for them to understand what, you know, what my father was doing. And it's kind of the same thing from yeah. a military perspective. I don't have to have been a pilot to realize what a pilot had to go through to be a pilot and also what a pilot has to do. It looks like they just walk out there, super Look slow, hot. strut, all the right stuff kind of shit, jump in the plane, <laughs> fucking fly away, bomb a bunch of shit, come back, fly down, go to their cool little bars that they all you fuckers always have. And then, you know, Eat and cake. then and then just have a <laughs> and then just have a great time, you know, or be that ground officer who's just like seems to always show up when the mission starts and then when as soon as it's over, he's gone. And you're like, where are you when we're fucking PMI and gear and everything? <laughs> where the fuck you at, you know? I have <laughs> not pilots. I've always respected pilots greatly because <clears> I can never do that. I'm a little too slow. But, man, I've dealt with some junior infantry officers who just really, really did not like, and it's always the junior ones. Well, and here's, here's the point is that, remember, these are, these are concepts for good Leadership and like I said earlier, good it's very easy to works, talk about the bad leadership and bad leadership works too. And so, because I want to talk about good leadership, it's so easy to recognize bad leadership. And like yeah. you said earlier, it's it's even easier for people who haven't ever truly been in leadership positions to even more easily talk shit. It's like you got all the kids bagging groceries and and collecting carts, right? Talking shit about their boss, mm-hmm. and it's like. Dude, you have no idea what the fuck that person had to do to get there, how much time they've spent. They, once upon a time, probably bagged groceries. Yeah. Probably did car. Or they went to four years of college to get this job so that they didn't have to bag groceries. They didn't have to collect carts. But now they understand all this shit. Your fucking brain cannot even comprehend all of the shit that they have to do in order to bring it all together right here where you're putting groceries in a bag. You're, gonna yeah. have, also, you're not going to have bags or groceries to bag. Exactly. If yeah. the leader's not there. Exactly. I also think that um, having poor leadership makes you a better leader. I know from when I was at the bank being a manager, I had several poor leaders that made me be, become a better leader. And I think the lack of being a bad leader is just not being able to read people and trying to treat them the exact same where kind of bringing it into, like, the love language type of thing. If you don't know how to talk to somebody and you can't read their love languages, then you're just going to be a really shitty leader. Well, and this is my point with point number three of empathy, right? You, right. you don't have to have been in someone's shoes to appreciate where they're coming from. You know, if, if I'm handling employees, if, and you can be the kind of – and I think there's there's a couple different mentalities here because there's, like, the mentality of – and I want to say something about what you said, Drew, because I ag- agree with it to a point, but – there's there's the kind of leaders who are and they're and they're good bosses. We would call them good bosses because they're like I expect the same from everybody. Fucking show up on time, and you do your fucking job, and you shut the fuck up, and you fucking go home. And everyone's like that guy's such a good boss. But is he? Is he a manager or is he a leader? Which yeah, is, yeah. yeah. Be, because he's managing these people. But now you've got this guy on the side, man. He's fucking struggling, dude. I mean, and I don't know why. He's got some personal problems. People are like fuck personal problems. Okay. You're yeah, never, I'm sorry, you're never going to be anybody that's worth anything if that's how you fucking approach people. If the only way you ever approach people is just like, fuck you and fuck your problems. Like, 
you're never you're never gonna have functional relationships. You're probably a really shitty fucking parent. You're probably a god awful fucking spouse or significant other. You're probably not a very good fucking friend. You can't just say that about people that work with you. You have to be able to go, hey man, I understand you've got some problems. Now you can't. I can't let your problems affect my bottom line. I can't let your problems affect this. But here's where I'm gonna give you some grace. You yeah. know, I know you were late the other day. I want you to fucking tell me why. Well, I was late because I'm taking care of my you know sick mom and she was fucking throwing up. And she threw up all over herself and I couldn't fucking leave her like that. And so I had to clean her up and I'm really sorry I was late. It's like, okay, look, we need to manage this problem, okay? So I can't have you be late for these kinds of reasons because that affects us. So now what you're doing is affecting other people and that's a fucking problem. So let's come up with a solution about you managing your sick mom. We, do we need to schedule you differently? Do we need to manage you differently? Do we need to work you into a different shift? Do we need to work you onto a different crew? Maybe this isn't the right job for you. I'd be happy to, while you're working here, let's help you find something that's better for you because this may not be the right thing because we have to fucking have you here. That's the kind of job it is. Th- this I, is actually hitting one of the points that I've written down here is you got to know your people and then know where to place them. Yeah, that was it's mine. Absolute key. Know who you're leading and how to lead them. Yep. And I, I think, and not to bring it back to like the whole military thing, but that is one of the worst environments for that kind of shit. Oh, yeah. Because everyone's like, fuck everything else you have going on in your life. This is what matters. And it's like you have some... A great example of this, like one of my top performers, right? One of my guys was just shitting the bed all day, all day, all day during training. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I pull him aside and I always remembered there's something that was said to me. It was like, you can either yell at someone or you can talk to them. And that's going to greatly change the outcome of this. And like, yeah, there's like a time to yell at people or, or not yell, but you know what I mean? Punish discipline. Yeah. yeah. And... I was very frustrated with the performance all day long. And I was like, okay, I can either fucking yell at this guy and get nowhere or, or try and figure out what's going on. So I'm like, hey, dude, you don't normally perform like this. What's going on? No, I'm just fucking. No, 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 no. You're not just fucking up and, and slacking off. Mm-hmm. What is going on? Something's up. You know, I've got this and this stuff going on in my personal life. I'm like, all right, cool. We can, hand, we can talk about that stuff later, like legitimate personal life problems. That's fine. Right now we got to dial in and get this done, and we can talk about that other stuff later. Cool? All right, good. And, and it was great from the rest of the day on. You know what I mean? So knowing your, your people that you're leading, kind of like to know who you're leading and how to lead them, mm. understanding what their baseline of performance is, and then when there's a deviation in that, identifying if it's a skill set problem, a leadership problem, you're maybe not explaining it to them correctly, or they have some personal stuff, which is always the one that gets thrown out the back door. Yeah. No one ever thinks that these are normal human beings with human being problems. You know what I mean? And to Drew's point, watch, I will kind of, I will agree with, but also say that it can create toxicity, which is bad leadership, off, bad leadership often makes you go, I don't want to be that kind of leader, so how do I change? However, in some environments, especially like the military and similar type environments, oil rigs, construction trades, um, law enforcement, fire, stuff like that, uh, where, where you kind of have a certain culture of mm-hmm. performance, like expected, expected yep. performance or certain expectations, it creates a toxic leader. And here's what I mean. Because it sucked for me. So it's got to suck for you. So it's going to suck for you. Yeah. You know, yeah, when I was a fucking, so fucking ex, when I was a new cop, when I was a new tradesman, when I was a new apprentice, when I was a new private, whatever, I got my fucking shit kicked in. So now I'm going to fucking kick your shit in. And it's like, yes, yeah, that's, not, uh, that's not a good leadership. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out, you know, because now all you're doing is you're, 
you're perpetuating Cycle. this bad leadership. I'm not saying be sensitive and soft-handed. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying being a pussy. I'm not saying cater to the emotional and personal needs of your people. Understand that's not what we're saying here. What we are saying is have some empathy for people. Be an example to them of how you want people to act and react. And be willing to show them and do their job if needed so that they can see how it's properly done. Because mm-hmm. like Gabe said, probably especially in the culture of the military and the trades and law enforcement and fire and stuff like that, the personal problems all get thrown out the window. It's like, you bring your personal shit to work, people fucking die. And it's like, that's true. Yeah. That's 100% true. And when I was a young man, I totally fucking thought that. And I was like, don't bring your personal fucking shit to work or we're going to fucking die. Because you're going to be thinking about my girlfriend's banging some other dude while we're getting fucking shot at. And I don't really want to have that in my life right now. You know what I mean? I need you right here, right now, motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like, I need your fucking help. On the other hand, it's, okay, so if the dude is having those problems, let's get that shit dialed in mm-hmm. beforehand. And it was actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote a movie that I actually like. A lot of people don't like this movie. I don't know why. And I'm not typically, like, much of a Navy SEAL fan. But that <laughs> fucking movie, Act of Valor, I actually thought it was a decent movie. And everyone's like, those fucking SEALs can't act. Yeah, no shit. They're not fucking actors. They're SEALs. <laughs> they're SEALs. They hire for that. Everyone's like, so those fucking idiots can't act. I'm like, they're not actors, dude. I didn't go to the movie to see their acting ability. I went to the movie to see a story like I go to all movies. And it was a good fucking story. Right. And while they're telling the story, there's this great kind of spin-up meeting they're having right before they kick off to a deployment. And they're all on the beach and they fucking kick the wives and kids away and all the dudes are standing around the campfire. And the chief says something, I don't remember exactly what his words were, but it was something like, hey, you got to do like the wife thing, got to do the money thing, like whatever troubles you have, make sure you see me or, or chief, whatever. And, you know, let's get that shit squared away because when we kick off, we got to be ready to go. And that to me, I was like, that's a good fucking leader. I don't mm-hmm. care about the rest of the movie. That was good fucking yeah. leadership where that guy wasn't like, don't bring your fucking personal shit on this goddamn mission or men are going to die. Instead, he was like, hey, we need to get this shit dialed in beforehand, right? So whatever you got, you're in debt, you got money problems, you got a wife problem, you got a girlfriend problem, you got something haunting you, you got a fucking speeding ticket you got to take care of, whatever the fuck it is, come see us. Let's get that shit handled so that when we go, you're, you're square. And that's a good leader who is this, who fits these, these things that we're talking about. Yeah, that's someone who has some fucking empathy. You can't deny that personal shit doesn't exist. Even when you say, I'm going to dial it in. It still exists. It's still there. No one, so no one I, just dials it in. I, yeah, I think, yeah. I think it's key. I think it's key there for the leader to either do it or appoint someone to do it to have that guy's back yeah. until it can get dialed in yeah. or girl. But yeah, um, it happens all the time in the airlines. Like when I'm flying, a lot of times one dude will be like, hey, dude, I'm going through this right now. Just so you know, get my back on this one. Yeah. And then I, I know to be. <laughs> so yeah, if I start sure. leaning real hard on this fucking stick, <laughs> well, pull me out of it. <laughs> Well, no, I just I just know to be in that case. I need to be a little more on my game. Just make sure he's not making mistakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. So yeah. and that, and that's appropriate. And that's and that's what a good leader would do for his people. And that's also what we expect to be done for him. And so my my fourth point is service, and that's losing yourself in the service of others without forgetting to serve yourself. So if you're a leader who's doing all these things for other people. Don't think that they shouldn't be done for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been in certain leadership positions and still today, I would say that's probably one of my biggest weaknesses is I don't want people to do for me what I've done for them. You know, everyone's like, hey, how you doing? I'm fine. 
It's <laughs> yep. like inside a war is raging, but but on the outside, I'm, I'm fine. Like, never means I'm fine. I'm fine. Fine is a uh, fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional, right? Yes. So uh, <laughs> F-I-N-E, right? So the the problem is, or the point is, is that lose yourself in the service of others. As a leader, look at what your what is your goal. Your true goal as a leader is to lead. Like Daryl said, there's a difference between a manager and a leader. Now, a leader doesn't always mean you have to lead from the front. This isn't some fucking cool World War II movie where it's like. Tally ho charge or whatever, and the leader is always up front. Sometimes a leader is up front. But sometimes a leader has got to be behind everybody to make sure that they're doing their fucking job and that they're all accounted for. Sometimes you got to go to the back mm-hmm. to make sure that the people that are slacking off in the back uh, are, or falling behind or falling out are taken care of because that's part of your job as a leader as well, depending on the circumstances. There are certain times where being a good leader means I lead from the front, and if you fall out, you're out. Yeah. You know, is this a selection? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. if that's it and I'm going to lead you through selection, I'm going to eliminate the fucking weak and I'm going to do it as fast as fucking possible. But I'm going to lead the strong and I'm going to lead the strong in these ways. And I'm going to go to the weak people on the side and go, look, you're fucking up. You're going to fucking destroy the rest of us. What can we do to either bring you up to speed with everyone else or get you the fuck out of here? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because maybe this isn't the right place for you. Because that's my empathy. My empathy is maybe you bit off more than you can chew. And that's okay, yep. you know? And I'll serve you by helping you figure out an honorable way out of this, yep. you know? Because if you keep falling out, what's going to happen is you're going to find a dishonorable way out of this. You're going to find a shitty way out of this. Mm-hmm. You're going uh, to find that everyone's going to fucking hate you. I can help you exit without that feeling on your shoulders, you know? And so that's still being a good leader. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm charging ahead and I'm like, okay, dude, I fucking warned you. I'm leaving you behind now. And now and now you have to fucking walk the path that you chose to walk. So sometimes that's the service. Sometimes the service as a leader is letting people fail. You know, like I'll use my kids as an example, being a leader, being a dad, you know. Um, my job is to lead my family. It's not to be my kid's friend. It's to lead my family. And so sometimes when I'm leading my family, I will set my kids up not, I don't set them up for failure, but I'll set them up for success knowing that they're probably going to fail. And then I will stand back and watch them and let them fail so that I can I can be there at that time to, to catch them. Mm-hmm. And I can go, ha see? See how you failed there? A uh, couple things to learn here. One, I'm always going to be here to help you out. Okay? I'll, I got your back. No problem. No, no worries on that. Two, look at this fucking mistake you made. Why did you make this mistake? What choice has led you to this point? Okay, this is the choice that led you to this point. Now... I still got you here, right? I'm letting you fail in a, in a functional environment so that when you leave here in five, 10 years, whatever, when I'm not there to catch you, I still have your back, but I can't always be there to catch you. Now, when I'm not there to catch you, you're going to know how to recover. You're going to know maybe not how not to fall. You're going to know how not to completely fail and drop all the way to the bottom. So there's that service as well. But to truly lose yourself in the service of others uh, is something that I think our society is, has lost tremendously. In the age of self-love and self-care where people take it way too far, they think that self-care means selfish. They think that self-love means selfish. They don't – They oh, I, I, it's me. I'm self-love, self-caring. That's why I do all this for myself and I don't do anything for anybody else and fuck everybody else. It's all about me because it's the me show. That's not, that's not self-love and self-care. That is not it. You still got to serve other people. That's ultimately why we were put here. That's how we grow. That's how we expand our leadership capabilities. Even if you're not a real leader, like you're not in a leadership position right now, you're still leading people. If you have a family, if you have friends, whatever, you're leading people. You may not even realize it. 
The last point I have uh, after service is taking care of your people. Uh, never let them question your loyalty or your support. So taking care of your people as a good leader, I had uh, an interesting conversation one time, um, the very beginning of my time training. And I was working uh, working alongside one of my first assistant instructors who was also a retired lieutenant colonel guy, special operations, great dude. Um, he's been on the show before, Matt Shaz. He's phenomenal, still a great friend of mine, awesome guy. And uh, he um, he goes, hey, man, you, you always give me unsolicited advice. Um, and he still does to this day. <laughs> and, uh, and, <laughs> and so whenever he does that, I very mockingly call him sir, you know, because it's kind of a joke between us, right? And so he'll be like, hey, man, you – let me give you some advice. I'm like, oh, sir, what do you got for me today? You know, and so he's like, uh, Glenn, you know what your problem is? I'm like, oh, sir, tell me, please, sir, tell me what my fucking problem is. And he's like, your problem is, is you think and act like an NCO. You care that everyone here has socks. He's like, do you know, as a, you know, squadron commander, he's like, I don't give a fuck if you guys have <laughs> socks. I do not give a rat's ass. I got a 30,000 foot of fucking overview. I got to interact with other commanders. I got to interact with other units. I got to interact with other nationalities. I got to interact with all kinds of shit. I got so much shit to think about that if you came to me from your position, my position said, hey, excuse me, sir. My guys don't have any socks. He's like, I would dress you the fuck down. I would make you feel about fucking two inches tall because I don't give a fuck if you guys have socks. He's like, so your problem is, and from a leadership perspective, you got to figure out how to not be the guy that is always concerned about whether everyone has socks if you want to run the business effectively. Yep. If you still want to take care of your people, make sure they have socks. And that was his whole point was to run the business more effectively, and he was right. I had to get a 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 foot overview. And even some of you, know, you guys as our instructors, yeah, you don't know everything that has to fucking happen to put a class together or to make a contract work properly or whatever. And that's fine because it's not your job. On the other side of things, to take care of your people as a leader, you still got to make sure they have socks, whatever the equivalent of that is for you. Right. Yeah, and a lot of that is having your sergeants, mm. if you will, you know, have somebody under you you can trust to take care of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Delegation is so key. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can't delegate shit, you're going to just be overwhelmed. And that and that was kind of his point was you don't have to make sure they have socks. Yep. Right. Just, just make sure they have socks. All right. So find someone who can work under you that makes sure everyone has socks or whatever. Right. Find someone you can trust. You can delegate those kinds of tasks to so that no matter what, your people are still being taken care of, even if you've got to go do all the big things. And I think that's where a lot of major corporations have such a disconnect with leadership is that their leadership has no idea what their fucking people need. Mm -hmm. they, they give them these stupid benefits packages when they're like, we don't want more benefits. We want more fucking money. Yeah. Well, giving you more money costs us more. The benefits cost us less. And the benefits are, here's why the benefits like, no, motherfucker, you're still not listening to us. We don't want a match-to-match -match 401k. We don't have enough money to put into the goddamn 401k. Yeah, these benefits don't pay my fucking bills. Yeah, like I want another, instead of giving me benefits that are worth a dollar an hour, give me a fucking dollar an hour. You know, and so leaders are so disconnected from their people in what they need. There was a show um, not too long ago. I, I don't remember what it was called, but they basically would take like CEOs, CFOs, COOs, oh, stuff Undercover like that. boss. Undercover boss. Thank yeah. you. And they would like make them go work in the mailroom and shit. 
And it was fucking hilarious to watch because first of all, these guys got fucking rickety wrecked because no yeah. one even knew them. Like they were so disconnected from their people that the, everyone wow. was like, look at this new motherfucker. And they were just getting wrecked. And these guys were like not allowed to reveal who they were. And then they would interview them throughout these processes, right? If you've never seen the, the show. I only watched a couple episodes, but it was really pretty fucking amusing to me because these bosses are just getting wrecked, man. And they just, like, can't even really perform the most basic duties, which is fine, like we talked about earlier. But they were, they were willing to try, which was a huge thing. They were willing to fucking try it out, which was cool. But then they would go back and they'd be like, damn, I don't fucking know my people at all. And it would change the way that they interacted and handled their business. And some of these companies were massive. I mean, there, they were well, and based huge. on the based on the size of the company or unit or whatever that the leader is in charge of, those appointment of those mid level managers is absolutely key. Mm-hmm. The right people have to be there. Yeah, yeah, the right people that are willing to go bottom to top and top to bottom in their communication. And, and you can't be removed from that process either. Like, yep. I've got a client runs a multi multi hundred million dollar company. It's a fucking awesome company he runs here. And uh, I love working with him, love training with him. He's tons of fun. And one of the things I like most about him is that, you know, he and I will talk business, right? And we talk as peers, which is fun because I definitely don't have a <laughs> multi-hundred million dollar company. But he'll talk to me about business things. And I and sometimes he's got to take phone calls or conferences or whatever during our training because we do a lot of, of work together. And I love listening to him talk to his people because it's only straight across respect. And it's just like, I put this guy in position because he's good at what he does. So what do you think is happening here? What's going on here? And he's involved in the hiring of every single person who comes into the company. Every single fucking person, even the lowest level, he's involved. He will meet this person. Before they are hired officially, he meets them. And has the ultimately the final say. And that's really important to him because he's like, I always want my people to connect me to the business because they may never fucking see me again. This may be their only interaction with me in this huge company. This may be the only time they ever fucking see me. You know, they'll see my picture around and that's about it. But I want them to connect me to this business. I'm not some abstract yep. boss somewhere in an office somewhere playing golf somewhere. Up on the hill with a cup of coffee. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I am, I'm still actively working this company. I'm still here. And he, I, he's like, I tell people what I do. It's like several times I've, I've worked, you know, walked brand new people who are quote unquote, low level employees, he's like, and I'm walking them through my day, not bragging about it, but just in a a normal, natural conversation with them. Back to that empathy thing. So that they understand like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I want to know what you want to do here. What do you want out of this company? You know, this is what we built. This is how I built it, you know? And, uh, and this is why it's important to me. And I want to know how you want to be a part of that. And when I listened to him talk to his mid-level managers, yeah, he's nothing but great respect for him. He's like, I hire specialists so that they can be specialists. And then I let them do their fucking job without me putting my finger in every fucking thing that they're doing. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. and then if they have a serious problem, they come to me. And if, if they made a mistake because they were trying to learn something, like to Gabe's point, that I didn't properly explain to them, and then, that, and then they fucking, he's like, that's my fault. I didn't properly explain it to him. Now they made a mistake. Now it's an us problem. It's not a you problem. He's like, I don't shift the blame onto them and go, you fucked this up. You fucking fix it. He's like, I go, yeah, you fucked this up. You might have fucked it up because I didn't explain myself properly. So because I think that it's kind of an us problem now, let's circle the wagons, figure out what the fucking problem is, solve the problem together. I'll give you my input. I'll let you do most of the work because it's your problem ultimately, but it's an us problem to the point where... I will give you my input and I will help you as much as I can. And then when the problem is solved, let's not make the same mistake again. That was one of my biggest points was like top three, give clear and concise instructions and directions. 
because then I, I said it a little differently. Clear expectations. Yeah. yeah. Same deal. Like yeah. if I tell you, hey, this order, these eight orders, let's use a business. These eight orders need to be shipped by Tuesday to these eight addresses, mm. and they have these eight things in them. Go. Now, if there's seven orders, well, I know I told you eight. So now it is the the blame is 100% on you. Mm. And they can't be like, well, you just said the orders. Mm. You know what I mean? Like for me personally, I'm a very critical person. So if you tell me, pick this up and put it on that shelf, I'm going to pick it up and put it exactly on that shelf just like that. You know what I mean? And, well, and with it, you got you to gotta understand the relationship between mistakes and crimes too. Yeah. Everyone makes mistakes, mm-hmm. right? And if you start repeating that, I mean, if it's criminal, it's criminal, you know? Right, yeah. But there are mistakes and there are crimes, you mm-hmm. know? Now, repeatedly making the mistake over and over, that becomes a crime. Right. But holding your people accountable and just dropping the hammer for a mistake is, I mean, that's a great way to alienate. Oh, yeah, yeah 100%. Absolutely, so. Yeah, clear and concise instructions and directions, lay it out flat for everyone, you know what I mean? That way you know, hey, they're either met or they're not met. Yeah. So what are the points do you guys have for leadership? I know you've got more, Daryl. I, I, honestly, we kind of hit them all. I've been checking them off as we've been talking right here. Um, <clears throat> I wrote here, don't be all-knowing, and that, that kind of goes back to know your people and where to place them, kind of like we'd mm-hmm. said. Uh, the worst fucking thing is when a boss comes in and just knows more than everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, this yeah. is why you have specialists, right? Yeah. That's a great way to absolutely, again, alienate your people and all that. Um, but yeah, I, my biggest thing was... Uh, some of the best squadron commanders I ever had, very first day I would go in, they would sit me down and be like, hey, welcome, okay, here are my expectations. Mm. And the, I got the mistakes versus crimes thing from one of my best commanders I've ever had. And, uh, man, he would help people through mistakes and then he would hammer them for crimes. And he was one yeah. of those kind of guys where there was no yelling ever. It's um, you walk in, if, if you've done something wrong, just the look on his face and you just feel crushed, you know? Yeah. So I always have tried to, in leadership, try to be that guy where – if my people fail me, they just feel crushed over it. I don't need to say a word, you know? I was never, ever, ever a yeller. Because no. me, when I get yelled at, it's like fucking yeah. in one, out the other. But if but, someone pulled me aside, like a great leader that I got the privilege of working with, you know, pulled me aside. Like my, I think it was my first platoon sergeant. Yeah, it was my, was my first platoon sergeant. He was like, hey, you know what standard I hold you to, and yeah. you did not meet that standard. And I think I need to reevaluate the standard that I hold you to. Yeah and expect from you, that was like gut-wrenching mm. disappointment, right? Yeah, Yeah, sure, he yelled time to time, but it was very, it was more out of like boil-up frustration and it comes out, right? Yeah. But if he really wanted to get through to you, he would say like something exactly like I, what, what I just said, and that mm. stuck with me, you know what I mean? Because if someone tells you that, you're like, shit, I'm really a piece of shit, <laughs> you know what I mean? I got to fix this. I also you know? had here, as a leader, you do need to detach a little bit. Um, so as a le- you're not their friend. I mean, maybe you were their friend, but you enter that leadership role. I've seen a lot of guys, they have to detach just enough mm-hmm. so you can make those hard decisions and keep your own emotions out of it. But on, on that point, then you need to have a sounding board as a leader and it mm-hmm. can't be within your group you're leading. Mm-hmm. You need to have somebody outside that you got to take care of your needs too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely things to think about there. So. It, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, Adele, one of our other instructors, actually gave me this really great lesson uh, years ago when we were talking about leadership stuff. And he was saying when he, as a flight medic, um, as soon he was saying that you know he picked this up when he was in the military, but then as when he be, got into being a paramedic in the regular world as a flight medic, he's like as soon as he got promoted above everybody else, someone noticed that he stopped coming to barbecues. Yep. 
And he was like, and they were like, hey, Adele, how come you don't hang out with us anymore? And he was like, because I'm your boss. And he like, this doesn't mean you can't hang out. He's like, that's exactly what it means. Yeah. It means, it means we can't hang out. Now, sometimes you find yourself in an environment where, like I would use our instructor team as an example. We all kind of become friends. We work together so much. We work in kind of a, an intimate setting, I would say, where we're teaching people these very specific skills. We work together in a lot of different environments. It's not like we come in, we clock in at nine, we clock out at five. That's easy to, I think, to stay disassociated from people. Like in the few times, and I haven't had really a regular job much, but in the few times I have had like a regular, I'll say nine to five type job, a clock in, clock out kind of thing, I didn't it was easy to not hang out with the people i worked with because i just fucking work with them they yeah. weren't my friends i just worked with them i didn't really give a shit it, we yeah. talked at work it was fun they were you know work friends and that was about it but in this environment because we all spend so much time together and we road trip together and we travel together and we do all that obviously we get a lot more personal so to your point daryl something i've discovered over the years is i have sounding boards so i have people yep. that are outside of our instructor team absolutely I used them recently for example that i call and go hey I'm thinking this way, and I'm going to handle this person like this on my team. What do you think about that? You know, like, let me bounce something off of you because I can't go to our instructors and ask our instructors how to handle other instructors. That's not going to fucking work. But I, I have a couple people that I call outside of the team and go, what do you think about this? Let me, let me bounce this idea off you. You know, am I being rational? Am I being irrational? Is this me being prideful? Am I being like, you know, how, give me some feedback. You know me, give me some feedback. So if you can't stay totally detached, and maybe if you can stay detached, it's really good to have sounding boards that are outside of your group so that you can go, hey, what do you think about this? Yeah. You know, am I being fucking crazy here? You know, this, this person's doing this and I'm concerned about that or I'm leading them like this and it's not working. I, I can't quite find a solution. What do you think? You know, because I think that's a, another important thing about being a good leader is also associating with other good leaders mm-hmm. yes. that you recognize as good leaders so you can go, hey, what do you think about this? You know, and I think we also have an interesting dynamic on our team because all of us come from, for the most part, like... It is a pretty unique circumstance. And we have high-level, like, operating people, right? I mean, Drew comes from years of management experience, and you come from years of, you know, leadership experience, and I come from years of, you know, educational and and, uh, and operational experience, and and all of our guys come from, like, all the... They own their own companies, and it's like, we have this very... So it's like, sometimes it's hard for me. I never look at anybody that works with us as... As like my employees, because I'm always like, like I always joke about, you know, Josh, for example. I mean, Josh and I have worked together for fucking ever and uh, hunted together and competed together and traveled together and hung out together. And it's like, I always feel funny, like telling Josh what to do. I don't when, <laughs> when like we're in the middle of something. I'm like, hey, man, can you go take care of that for me? No problem. Right. Because he knows I'm not ordering him around. But if I was like, listen up, Josh, you better all fucking do this. He'd be like the fuck you say to me you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, he's he's like also a boss you know what i mean so it's hard sometimes for a boss to be bossed around by a boss and so i think that that mutual respect of knowing that on a team like ours we have so many leaders and we have so many people that are running their own thing and doing their own thing and, and working at their uh, the highest level of capacity sometimes that they can even work at professionally that there's that respect that creates that that kind of bond between us. Like you said, it's unique. And because of that, that's why even more so I have to have that sounding board that goes Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm dealing with this guy and like here, you know, here's what I think his issues are. What do you think about that? You know, like how, how am I going to manage this particular situation? Cause this is kind of unique. And then my sounding boards can tell me, well, Hey, you know, here's what I would do. And here's, and most of the time they have no, uh, they don't fucking know anybody on the team. 
You know? I have one guy who knows fucking nobody on the team. He doesn't fucking care. He's just a great sounding board to go, like, what do you fucking think about this? You know? Well, and you, you just kind of made a point there, too, is to be a good leader, you got to also know how to follow. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and you got to know what your role is at the time, too. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're a leader in one thing over here, but over here, yeah, you need to shut the fuck up and follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and yeah. not be pushing your leadership there, you know. So you, you got to know your role and when it's appropriate. Any other you know? points from you, Gabe? Um, like the ability to delegate. I think it's super, super important. And a lot of times as leaders, we have the pressure of the people above us. And we have the pressure we put on ourselves and we think we've got to do every single thing ourselves. And that's why you're in a leadership position. So you can delegate these tasks accordingly. Um, That and the kind of knowing who you're leading, knowing who your players are Mm. is going to allow you to delegate properly, right? If I know this dude isn't really spot on with this concept, I'm not going to delegate him if it's high priority to go do that thing. Um, so delegating, not only does it free up yourself to focus more on the bigger issues, but it also gives res- you know, gives a sense of responsibility to your subordinates and shows that you trust them. And it's, it's, I think it's a super important aspect of leadership is delegating um, because it empowers the people below you to take ownership of things. Um, and it, it's just kind of a win-win for everybody involved. And truly knowing your people, I think getting to know your people, like I was talking about my client that, that I really respect and his leadership roles – Getting to know your people <clears throat> is important because that allows us to do what we talked about earlier, to get to know their problems, to understand, have a little bit of empathy for them. And there's sometimes where that's not called for. Mm-hmm. There's sometimes where that's not appropriate leadership. Yeah. You know, like I know leaders that would be sitting here right now, like vehemently disagreeing with me. He's like, yep. nope, not in my fucking job. You fucking show up or you fucking don't. It's like, but that's the culture of that job. Mm-hmm. And so I would expect that, right? Like in the trades, for example, you know, if you don't show up to nobody fucking cares what you like. Half these guys are hungover, going through divorces, yeah. paying child support. It just That's that culture. It, it just fucking is, right? They all showed up. They work sick. They expect you to fucking it's, show so up sick. why are you the exception? Why are you so fucking special? Yeah. I'm working sick. I work three fucking days with bronchitis. Fuck yep. you for not showing up because you had the sniffles. You know, so there's certain cultures. Like, I would even say, like, to an extent, our culture. You know, like, uh, at training. You better be incapable of fucking moving if you're calling in sick here and everybody here knows that (laughs) you know what i mean and we've all taught classes sick right i don't i don't think anyone Mm. would even think about it if we weren't incapable of moving i mean but that's (laughs) also the kind of that's also the kind of people that we are right so it's like it whereas i look at you know my oldest son working at you know a tire shop okay yeah if he's sick it's like yeah dude don't go to work like you don't need to you need to go there and be fucking throwing up in the back because you know yeah someone else can come in and fucking handle the tires that day or whatever you know like that's not the culture necessarily of that environment um lives are not on the line so to speak so uh I, and that's not – that's just not how they look. You know, it's mostly young kids. They're mostly, you know – they're not expected to do that kind of stuff. I wouldn't expect them to do that if I was their boss there. You know, it's like, hey, oh, yeah, dude, you're fucking shit in your pants. Yeah, dude, don't fucking show up. I don't need you running to the bathroom every fucking 30, yeah. 30 minutes, you know. Uh, it's better you're not here. Plus, I don't want you to get anybody else sick and then I lose half my fucking workforce. We can't be doing that. So there's definitely cultures and environments where you have to be able to adjust your leadership style. How I lead my kids is not how I would lead – an infantry squad. It's just yeah. not. My kids think sometimes when I get <laughs> growly that they're being led like an infantry squad. And I'm like, <laughs> no. No, not even close. Dad, you've never even met kids. <laughs> but, 
but uh, <laughs> I think I saw that one. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl stood outside the front door one time while I was uh, leading no, one of our kids like that. No, remember he didn't knock because he was like. What'd you say? Discipline is happening in there. Remember? Discipline is happening. I'm just gonna let it go for a minute. I'm gonna go make a phone call over yeah. here. There's no <laughs> abuse. There's just getting smoked. You don't. You don't <laughs> interrupt character building. That's right. A lot of up downs happening on that wood floor. You can hear it from a mile away. So my point is, is that there are environments where that kind of leadership is necessary, mm-hmm. and then there's other environments where you got to be a little softer handed. Like if I'm leading. Uh, a, a group of, of ladies at a bank like Drew was talking about. I cannot lead those ladies like I led a, a, a construction crew or like I led a flight of A-10s or like I led an infantry squad or whatever. Like I can't do that, right? Because that's not going to fit how they're going to absorb. And that's something that Drew had mentioned that I want to all kind of wrap up my points with this. If you are a good leader, I think there's three things that you really need to read. The first one is you need to do a lot of research on your own, and there's tons of material out there about this, about learning styles and how to explain things properly and how to communicate properly. How do I do, am I hitting, when I'm talking to someone, am I hitting their auditory, visual, and kinesthetic? Am I totally explaining to them how to do this properly? Because if I don't, if I tell Gabe to go staple up targets and he staples them up wrong, I can't be mad at him because I didn't fucking say, hey, you need to make them this high or they need to be stapled up like this. So if he's stapling them wrong, like, you know, the other day we were at a class and I think uh, Brandon was helping put the arms on. We, they weren't being put on right. No. Well, I didn't fucking tell him how to put them on right. So it's like, hey, dude, you got to pull those off and put them up like this. I'm not mad about it. Just, oh, shit, I forgot, right? I didn't – I failed as a leader to say you got you to gotta staple them up like this. So – You've got to make sure that you understand those te- the learning styles. The second thing is a book you can read, and it's the five love languages. You need to – I'm not saying you have to be in love with your fucking people. Love is not being in love. In love and love are two different things. I love pepperoni pizza. It doesn't mean I'm fucking in love with it, right? So when you say the love languages, it's how to reach people in a way that they receive best. And this is more than just their learning style. This is their personal style. I believe this is part of what makes me a good educator is a lot of times I can, especially if I spend some time with someone, I can start to figure out how they best receive information, you know, and and I can go in depth on that at another time. I think we've talked about on the show in the past. But the five love love languages are important to understand. Just help you have better relationships in general if you truly understand them. And the last one that I would recommend is a book by a guy named Bob Goff, and it's called Love Does. I know I'm getting all lovey here. Wow. But they're using the term, right? Love is a real term. And uh, it doesn't mean you're in love with someone. It's a totally different thing. So Love Does is a really great book by Bob Goff where he, he talks about how to appreciate people. You don't have to like all people. You don't have to know that – you don't have to think all people are good. You don't have to be a moron about it. But how to appreciate people. I've sent the book to a number of good leaders, you know, uh, that I know, and they're always like, hey, man, give me a good leadership book. And they think I'm going to send them like some military tactics <laughs> book or some, something like that. And instead, I send them a book about love, you know. In, in, I would say, especially with students, in the moment of having a student and teaching a student and developing a student, there's a love there. Because I'm trying to give them information and they need to connect with me in a way that they can receive it. Uh, so to be a good leader, you've got to understand, you know, those fundamental concepts. So if I was going to give anybody, that's kind of my parting advice here. Those are the three things I would say you need to learn more about if you want to be a better leader. My biggest one, and this is kind of 
an umbrella term that I've said for a long time is just be a good dude or gal, but be a good dude. Like if you're a good person, you're probably doing all of these things mm -hmm. and people are going to want to follow you. I've said that to so many people, just be a good dude, just do good dude things. And I know it's very like umbrella bullshit term, but to me, what that means is everything we've been talking about the whole day. If you're doing those things, you're probably a good dude and people are going to want to follow you. Well, it's the exact opposite of our life rule number one, which is don't be a dick. Yeah. So you could also say be a good dude, yeah. which is do good dude things. That's literally something I've said for so long. <laughs> and it's, I don't know. Just be a good dude. Do good, good things. There we go. Uh, always stay a student. <clears throat> there is a plethora of great things to read and learn on leadership out there. And uh, I mean, shit, I've got a whole stack of them on my bookshelf. Yeah. So find leaders that you uh, look up to and then study what they do mm -hmm. and try to emulate that. So, Drew, what do you got? I would, I mean, pretty much agree with everybody here. Just be a good person. Don't be an asshole. Um, definitely get to know your people and know their types of personalities. And if you have, you know, figure out conflict resolution, I think is also another really good tool for new leaders who don't really know how to, if two other employees are fighting or not getting along, conflict resolution is also going to be, I think, key to helping manage different personalities because not everybody's going to be the same not everybody's going to like each other and when you're talking about a civilian world you're not going to get the camaraderie that you do in the military so that kind of goes out the window so you really from a civilian standpoint really need to understand a lot of people's personalities uh, and conflict resolution and even as a leader having conflict with your employees I think it's on the leader themselves to to fix whatever it is and and have those good skills, I think really makes a good leader. And understanding on that, that sometimes good leadership is knowing when to fucking get rid of people. Yeah. 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 Sometimes people are not fucking good for your team and, and they are not good for your environment. And yep, there is a time. If they're not fitting <clears throat> and you've tried and it's not working, fucking chop them. And sometimes that's what's got to happen, and that's good leadership too. And I would say this piece of advice, if you're, if you're trying to figure out if someone's a good fit or not, uh, it's a, a concept that I've followed a lot of time in my life. Uh, sometimes I don't listen to it and, it, and it always fucks me whenever I don't listen to this piece of advice I know, which is if there's any doubt, there's no doubt. If there's any doubt that this person's a good fit, they're not, they're not a good fit. Fucking get rid of them. If there's any doubt that they can become a good fit, then they won't be a good fit. Fucking get rid of them. So that's an important thing. Sometimes as a leader, you have to do that. It's never comfortable. Some people like it. Some people don't. I would say it's never really a comfortable thing to do. But you got to chop someone, fucking chop them. Fitness moment with Drew. Roll. All right. <clears throat> so what I have for you guys today um, is pretty quick. It's a breathing tip that if you are starting to, if you're working out, running, lifting weights, anything, and you're starting to um, – have uneasy breathing and you feel like you're just gasping for air, can't quite get enough oxygen to you, a good tip and rule of thumb is to take a really big breath in and then let all of it exhale and uh, return back to your regular breathing and it kind of like resets your breathing almost. So that's what I have for you guys today. All right, Fitness Moment with Drew brought to you by MRC or McKellar Running Club Phoenix. Monday night runs, 6.30 at Chupacabra Tap Room in Mesa. Wednesday night runs at 6.30 at Dad's Eatery in Scottsdale. You don't have to be a fast runner. You can be a walker, a loper. You can be a bike rider or a skateboarder or a wheelie person or whatever the fuck you want. Just come out and get active. 
Remember, you can bring us out to train with you. Get hosting information via email. Info at trainingaz.com is our email address. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook as The Arms Room Show. Independence Training, MRC Phoenix. We're proud members of the Heroes Media Group. Be sure to check out the other cool stuff our network has going on. And next week, we're going to be talking about building and maintaining mental and emotional strength. Part of that's just how to not to be a fucking pussy. But we're going to talk about some really good concepts about building and maintaining mental and emotional strength because that's a part of preparedness that people overlook. Everyone wants to be a fucking gunfighter without the capability to survive a gunfight. Until next time, stay aware, stay safe, and train hard. You've been listening to The Arms Room.